to have an MP3 player. Well, yeah, that would be nice, but you can, if you have iTunes or media player on your PC, it doesn't matter. So anyway, it's back there. Well, you guys ready for the word tonight? Because we got a lot of cool stuff we want to get into. Um, I want to start off with a passage where Paul is telling us that our job as believers is to beautify the gospel. And uh, it is found in Paul's writing to a young pastor. And he is instructing all the various uh, walks of life, Christians from the various walks of life, that they are to be sound in doctrine and in speech. And he says, and we'll pick it up here in Titus chapter 2, verse 10, he says, not pro- prolonging, but, I'm sorry, prolonging, but, yes, loin, okay, loin, proloining. And in case you don't know what that means, I put the definition up there. It means to, to rip somebody off. Uh, and it means but showing all good fidelity that we may adorn. Now listen to the statement, that we may adorn the doctrine of God. And that word literally means to arrange and to make, an, make it into an ornament, to make it embellished with beauty. Did you know that God wants us to take the great doctrines of the Scripture and beautify them before people? Well, how many know that's not always what ends up happening, and especially when it comes to the doctrine of the coming of the Lord, which is one of the great doctrines of the Bible. I mean, uh, for example, we read just three verses later where Titus is told by Paul, that we're to be looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, that's the beauty that he's talking about. That's what we are to adorn, to, to relish, and to beautify. And obviously, folks, uh, many of you might already be aware of this, but a full 27% of the Bible, that's greater than one-fourth of the Bible, is Bible prophecy. So this is a seriously important doctrine. And yet, folks, uh, it's one of those doctrines that are avoided by a lot of people, but it is something that should cause us all to anticipate. And anybody that understands the beauty, whether or not it was your own marriage or your daughter's marriage or son's marriage, you understand the anticipation. There should be this excitement and anticipation about this wonderful time of the coming of the Lord. And Jesus says, you know, if this is just one verse in the Bible, it says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And anybody in that day understood that's all terminology that was set up in the marriage situation. The man would go and build a place on his father's house and prepare. And then unexpectedly, he would show up one day and the the bride needed to always be ready because she didn't know when he was going to come and get her. Or they didn't have cell phones back then. And, you know, and it was kind of a little bit of a game to it, to be honest with you. And he would come in that. That's why sometimes they would have watchers saying, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Prepare yourself. 
Well, there's so much into this, but obviously, how many know that that's not how it's being presented so many times? I remember when we were back here a few years ago, right in the middle of the controversy of family radios teaching that the rapture judgment day was taking place May 21st. And you all remember how much of a, a mockery that would end up being. And that's why Peter said that one of the sure signs in the last days would be scoffers who would come and they would mock and scoff the coming of where is the promise of his coming? So instead of, as Paul told Timothy, to adorn this glorious gospel truth, this wonderful doctrinal truth, and make it uh, put an ornament of beauty upon these doctrines, now man has turned this thing into something very unattractive. And they've turned it into a bunch of silliness. And I'll give you a classic example. It was only a month ago people talked about the end of the world because of a of a, a, an event that has taken place hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times in human history about the, you know, a, an eclipse, a full solar eclipse, as if somehow this was in people were bound and determined. Matter of fact, there's still people right now that are determined that we are now in the Great Tribulation, that the Great Tribulation actually started on August the 21st. And that, and the reason why they know this is because the next solar eclipse, which, by the way, is supposed to be so rare, well, it's only seven years from now, and it's going to leave a big X across the country, the United States, which is proof positive that God's done with America, you know? <laughs> which, honestly, when you think about it, there's a lot of other meanings that could be applied to X. X is actually kind of a good sign of um, when it comes right out of the Hebrew alphabet of, that typifies the cross, okay? And yet, of course, they claim that, uh, that where it crosses the United States is the, uh, the region of the new uh, uh, Madrid uh, um, uh, fault line that, uh, you know, you know, now after all their predictions of, you know, the half of uh, California hasn't fallen off in decade after decade after decade. Well, now they're going to pick over on Missouri and it's going to happen there. And they're, they're convinced that this is the fulfillment. This is going to be the great earthquake that happens during the Great Tribulation. And of course they say, well, it just so happens it's seven years. So, you know, August to 2017 to April 2024, that's seven years. We're in the tribulation now. Of course, they're just nonstop stuff. Of course, the Bible uh, is so explicit. All you have to do is just read what it says. Of course, if you take this, this time frame from August the 21st to April the 8th, that's 2,394 days. Hello, the Bible says the tribulation will be 2,520 days. Well, they're only off 126 days. Okay? But it's like, well, don't, don't confuse me with the facts. It's seven years. That's what counts. But these, these people know about this much of what they're talking about, and they think they got some new doctrine going along. And it's crazy because if you look right now, the, the whole thing about this date, this, this coming week, 
the end of the world and the stuff. It's huge. For example, when I got to Nick and Steph's the other night when I, we um, moved in to, to stay with these guys, I, I went directly and started working on my message for tonight. And um, this is a literal copy right off the page of this guy who has this, I mean, he's a very sincere man. He's got a you know, nice production of a video, and it's called What Will Happen the 23rd of September 2017. And, uh, and I noticed it was 5 million views. Well, I went today, it's already jumped an additional 200,000 views just in the last three days. Okay, and in this video, this guy says that there's going to be Planet X. And Planet X is going to come and it's going to block the sun for three hours. And as it's going by, all this debris, it, which is ice and sulfur rocks, are going to destroy one-third of the planet, and it just so happens, he says, it's going to be unmitigated disaster falls upon the Western world. So goodbye to America. You people are, are done, and God's done with you, and it's all over. And, of course, uh, his proof for this, by the way, is there's no Bible. His proof is, and, of course, he's a Christian. His proof is that there were three forerunner signs, the blood moon tetrad, the comet 67P, and, of course, the eclipse that appeared last month. Okay. So, of course, the end of the world is now the 23rd of um, September. Okay? And I'll be honest with you. I love the coming of the Lord. I love the doctrine of Jesus' coming. But this absolutely... I hate what people are doing to this wonderful truth. They have taken this glorious gospel, this glorious truth of the coming of the Lord, and has turned it into a circus. And it's endless stuff. And it's about time Christians put their foot down and say, okay, I've had enough of your junk. Now, folks, is it really all coming to the end next week? I mean, if you think I'm, I'm a... Make, uh, making a big deal of something, you need to get on the internet tonight and just type in September 23rd, 2017. There are millions of websites, videos, all kinds of stuff, all dealing with this. People are freaking out. I mean, Facebook is, I mean, I just, I'll, I'll show you some stuff here in just a minute. But you know, how quickly us Americans, us humans, Forget, folks, this date is, out, is already been used. It was a massive fail. It was only two years ago, uh, and it was all associated with the blood moons. And it was during this exact same date that it was predicted in 2015 on September 23rd, and it's proof positive this has never happened before in the history of man. The rapture is going to take place. This is all Rosh Hashanah. The trumpet's about to be sound. Jesus is coming back, and there's no denying. Some of the biggest, most popular prophecy teachers in the world were declaring this on television and books, and CDs, and DVDs, and all the rest. Well, one of the theories surrounding this uh, prediction, this rapture prediction, was built on the assumption 
that the 70th week of Daniel, you know, Daniel talks about 70 weeks, the 70 weeks of years, that it all started just so happens on the day that President Obama was granted the peace, the Nobel Peace Prize. And everybody knows that Obama is a shape shifter alien and his wife is an undercover transvestite he's the antichrist and folks he rode in a car that was so big they call it the beast and everybody knew this muslim was going to lead the world into a one world government a caliphate well obviously now we look back and we think how stupid okay and you know right now now everybody's got trump as the antichrist you know, and it doesn't matter. Every president ends up being an antichrist. Ronald Wilson Reagan, six letters, six letters, six letters. Ronald R R Wilson Reagan was the antichrist. Bush was the antichrist. Clinton was the antichrist. You know, his wife. I mean, okay. Well, then now that be may be true. I don't know. I can't tell on that one. I'll I'll lift that one off. Um, but you know, now listen to this. Since President Obama. Obama was scheduled to meet Pope Francis at the White House, and since September 23rd, 2015 was during the Jubilee year, and since Pope Francis became the 266th Pope, and since September 23rd was the 266th day of the year, and since the average length of human gestation is 266 days, this all added up to undeniable proof that the Pope is the false prophet and that he would work with the Antichrist, Barack Obama, the man of sin, to usher in the start of the Great Tribulation. Now, let me know right now, that sounds stupid. But it didn't sound stupid two years ago. Oh, it's got to be. The fact of the matter is, this all got started, folks, some 30 years ago. And I remember back then preaching. There's churches that have never had me back because I went to their church and said that the 88 reasons is heresy. And I mean, they were devastated that somebody got in their pulpit and said that. Of course, uh, I don't know about you, but it didn't happen, did it? I still got copies of the book, and you can read it yourself. It's, the guy's name was Edgar Wisenut. And the reason I remember that name, because he was a wise nut. Okay. <laughs> The guy was a genius. He literally was a genius. And he sat down and chronologically figured out through numbers and through his study of the scripture, the exact, and folks, you read it and you go, whoa, that's crazy. And obviously, all surrounded around Rosh Hashanah. And folks, the problem with this, since that book came out 30 years ago, there has not been a year since that people have not predicted the rapture on Rosh Hashanah. You say, well, it's got to be that way. Really? And you have to stop and ask yourself a question about this. Would you think you might want to reconsider your sources, being that this is repeatedly failed prediction keeps going every year? So that does that means Jesus can't come on May the second, because that's not Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, but he doesn't know for sure because there's two days to Rosh Hashanah. Oh, you got it figured out, don't you? So if it doesn't come the first day, well, guess what? Then everybody knows it's got to be the second day. And Jesus said nobody would know. So if you're waiting for him to come on the 23rd and he doesn't come on the 23rd, and you 
Well, he's got to come on the 24th, but he said you can't come, you can't know the day. So all, all the rationale, folks, don't make sense. The fact of the matter is, um, the only way to keep these false teachers going is to support them. And if you want to just keep these lies going, that's why in Ezekiel, God had something to say about the prophets in his day. By the way, this is nothing new. God's people have always had false teachings, false prophets. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say unto you, uh, them uh, that prophesy of their, and say unto, say thou unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, woe unto you foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. You listen to how some of these guys will talk. It was revealed to me. I heard a guy yesterday, and I mean, I've, I've been, I've watched thousands of videos on this stuff in the last three months. And it's crazy. The guy last night is probably one of the most respected, most, you know, internet prophecy guys I know of. He went on and on and on how God showed him. God showed him. God spoke to my spirit. God made it clear in my spirit about the, he's got it all down. And he's convinced that this UN meeting started in emotion and now it's all started. We're in the tri tribulation one of the most respected on the internet. But anyway, <clears throat> they have seen vanity and lying. What's the word say there? Lying what? Now remember that word. The word divination is to foretell the future by some type of device. Okay, divination. They have seen vanity and lying divination saying, the Lord saith, and the Lord has not sent them. They have made others to hope that they would confirm the word. Have ye not seen a vain vision? And have ye not spoken a lying divination? Whereas ye say, the Lord saith it, albeit I have not spoken it. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have spoken vanity and have seen lies, therefore, behold, I am against you, saith the Lord God, and mine hand shall be upon the prophets that speak vanity and divine lies. Now, I got news for you, folks. God takes his word serious. He watches over his words to perform it. And when guys like this, these false prophets that are adorning, that are not adorning, as Paul told Titus, they're not adorning the gospel. They're not adorning the doctrine. They're adorning themselves as, as if there's some powerful new revelation of God. All the while, they're dishonoring the word and making it appear distasteful to Christians. Because I got news for you, folks. A lot of people are going to be disappointed in about a week. I just had a lady just uh, two days ago uh, put this on my Facebook page. She says, and she's very mad at me right now, okay? And she says, no one's asking for money. All the posts that I have seen about this is showing the prophecies from the Bible lining up with this event. It seems to me that you people are like the Sadducees from the Bible, it's not 
your ideal, so you have completely closed mind concerning. I don't know why it upsets me, except that you, being in the business of saving people, could be so instrumental in telling people this, this could be it, and they should be sure where they stand with Jesus. Instead of being so busy putting it all down, you should be ashamed. I am betting you have not checked this out at all. And she goes on to give me a web. Of course, I wrote four major posts on this months ago and went down the line with it. I've spent, I guarantee, 20 times as much time as she has. Of course, I had already been to her website there that she was talking about. But in case you say, John, what are you talking about, dude? I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, well, here's what I want to do. I want to play you. Um, uh, there was a video out. It was not where this lady was telling me to go. Uh, but there's a video out that's, uh, it's the Revelation 12 prophecy in just like, I don't know, three or four minutes. And it's, it's pretty good. And I want you to listen to it. And by the way, if you have my sound up, that would be great right now. Um, I want you to listen to the guy. And you can tell he's very sincere. He seems to love the Lord, and he wants people to get saved. You'll see it by the end of the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. At least 70% of the things he says is a bold face lie. But when you listen to this, you go, wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, this Revelation 12 prophecy, it's the teaching that there's an alignment in the heavens that are telling us when the end of the world is, when the rapture will take place, and it just so happens it's the 23rd of September. Hello and welcome. Today I want to briefly discuss with you a very important topic in which the sun, the moon, and the stars will align with perfection to fulfill a 2,000-year-old prophecy, perfection only found from the creator of heaven and earth. This prophecy was written down in the book of Revelation, the last book in the Holy Bible, directly from Jesus. This book was given to us so that we would know the time of the end, what to expect, and to know what would happen. Let's read Revelation 12 together. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. So what we see written here is the constellation Virgo, which is known as the woman, who is clothed with the sun. That means the sun is currently in the constellation Virgo. The moon is under her feet and above her head is a crown of 12 stars. And Jupiter enters her belly, stays there for nine months, and exits, showing a birth. So in this very descriptive passage, we see all phases, the sun, the moon, and the stars, all coming together to form a picture of a birth. And again, lastly, the nine stars from Leo, always above her head, plus the three wandering stars aligned perfectly for the crown. God himself spoke through the prophet Daniel and said these things would be sealed up until the time of the end, as in nobody would really understand until the end came. Thanks to technology, we have a program called Stellarium. It allows us to go forward and backward in time and see how the stars align. Because as they have seen, 
Every star, every planet known as a wandering star follows a mathematical equation. This alignment has never happened. In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, God himself says the sun, the moon, and the stars will be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. This prophecy is no exception. What's also really interesting is when Jesus was telling his apostles of when he will return, he himself said that there would be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and upon the earth the stress of nations, as in much trouble going on, as we see now. Hopefully by now you see that this topic is worthy of your time for further investigation. This is something that you can see with your very own eyes and confirms that the Bible is true. If you haven't done so, please seek Jesus Christ today as time may be running out. God bless and please share this with everyone you know. Now did that seem like a very sincere person? Very kind heart. He was no maliciousness to anything he's saying. I mean, and he truly believes what he's saying. But folks, this is absolutely incredibly wrong. You know, it's sad when you think that we've strayed so far from God and his word that now we have to consult with star charts to tell the future. Does that not send up a flag? Well, apparently not, because this is sweeping the church. The fact of the matter is, there is an ongoing delay here, and it has to do with our attitude about the Word of God. I remember when Word of Faith people were like Word of Faith people. They just stayed with the Word. I mean, you get, went to church and everybody had their Bible. They stayed with the Bible. Nobody got up and says, well, the star charts say this. <laughs> or the, you know, the Bible codes say this. And it's just like, it's almost as if the Bible isn't good enough anymore. Well, I got news for you. That by itself should be a massive warning sign of a great falling away. The fact of the matter is, Peter writes and says that God gave us these exceedingly great and pro precious promises that by these we can be partakers of his divine nature and that everything that pertains to life and godliness is wrapped up in the Bible, not in Stellarium star charts. This is insane, folks. But it doesn't sound like, oh, wow, that's incredible. But, you know, of course, this all supposedly proves the Bible. Now, what are you going to do with this date? I mean, come on, you can't get away from it. And, folks, this has never happened before in history. This is a once-in-7,000-year event. Oh, really? And all the other stuff. Well, before we get to that, let's go to the Scriptures and just read what it says. Now, everybody I know that teaches this Revelation 12 prophecy only read the first two verses. There's a whole chapter there, okay? But let's just take a look at it real quickly. It says, There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. Now let me just tell you what's happened here. What John is seeing is not 
Stellarium char char, uh, star charts on a computer. He is seeing a literal vision before his eyes. And what he's seeing is getting ready to take place on the earth, not in the skies, but on the planet. It goes on to say in verse 3 that there's another thing that comes in. Of course, they don't want to go there because they don't know how to explain this part. It says, there appeared another wonder in heaven. I mean, if they're looking for a sign, they got the sign, but then they got another sign. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Of course, most people, when they're reading the Revelation 12 thing, they just read Revelation 12, 1 and 2. They don't read the whole book of Revelation to figure out what all this is about. Did you know the seven heads and ten horns are explicitly explained in the scripture? Why there's seven crowns there? But, well, they, you know, they, they can't figure that out at this point. So, well, let's not get ourselves unnecessarily involved. Okay, he goes on to say, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and his throne. And by the way, that word, I put it there, is harpozo, which is used throughout the New Testament, referring to the catching up of the church, catching up of Paul into the third heavens, and catching up of Philip when he was preaching to the Ethiopian and all that. It's a term from which we derive the concept of being caught up or raptured. So here's a rapture taking place. So then it goes on to say in verse 6, and it's not over yet, that the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that she should feed her, uh, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Now, of course, they never, never talk about this. But if you're going to explain and look into verse one and two, you can't stop there. You got to find out what's going on here. Well, let me just tell you something, folks. This is astrology that these people are talking about. This is a pagan practice. Well, of course, almost every one of the guys that do this, they'll say somewhere in their video, now we just wanted to let you know, this is not astrology. Okay, that's good you say that. But what is astrology? If you look it up in the dictionary, it means a system of methods and theories based on the assumption that the positions of the moon, the sun, and the stars affect human affairs and that one can foretell the future by studying the stars. What are all of these guys? That is exactly what these people are doing. But these are, some of the most sincere Christians are getting sucked into a pagan practice and now it takes authority over the word of well we need astrology to explain well they were not going to say that we need the sun or the stars to explain what the bible's talking about folks do you think the devil hasn't thought dude this will blow people away let's get them into that let's get them through the back door now let me ask you a question now how many know when you look up in the sky you don't see the little connecting dots Okay, that's a, that's a game. Okay, I remember playing that and waiting in the doctor's office at the dentist's office and connect the dots, you know. Um, but 
Let's look at this real quick. Does that look like a virgin to you? Yeah, okay. Well, there's the virgin. And so she's uh, laying there sideways, and she is uh, going to tell people in the world uh, some, some uh, God's going to reveal to people in the world. Of course, you got Pisces, and you got Leo, and you got Cancer, and you got Scorpio, and you got uh, the Gemini twins. You got, and it's, and I heard a guy, Carolyn was with me. We were listening to this guy on, 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 on we were driving, and, and he had it all down. He had all of these signs in the sky. This is the, this is the gospel. It's like, Talk about far-fetched stupidity. But he said the Lord showed it to him. So how are you going to fight that? Okay. But, of course, this, this is the virgin. This is what everybody's convinced is up in the sky there. And, by the way, when this occurs on September 23rd, nobody is going to be able to see it. Okay. But this is something you're supposed to be looking for. Okay. Well, the fact of the matter is, folks... That by itself should think, you know, I'm not real sure I should waste my time on that. But now, the Bible's not good enough. The Bible doesn't, in, in, uh, you know, because now prophecy has to be something, you know, titillating. So, uh, you know, it's just little black and white page, uh, uh, you know, uh, black letters on white pages. And that's not good enough. anymore, Folks, this is... This is God's truth revealed to man. If you have to go outside of that book, you're already in trouble. The fact of the matter is, people say, but John, hello, the Bible says that God put these all for signs. Yeah, but folks, let's look at the verse. It says, and God said, let the lights in the expanse of the heavens be to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. But folks, that doesn't mean zodiac signs or astrology signs, the, which, by the way, under the Old Testament economy, this carried a death penalty with it. This is how serious God feels about this. This is not, well, this kind of bothers me a little bit. No! God seriously detests. That's why it's called an abomination. An abomination is something that is detestable to God. These signs were not meant to, um, to be some kind of, you know, and sad to say most sitting here know what sign they were born under. But these signs were meant to chronicle days and months and years and seasons. Not to foretell the future. Hello. The fact is, Jesus himself says... A wicked and an adulterous generation seeketh for a sign. And by the way, notice what it says. And there shall be no sign given to them but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And here's the scariest part. He left them and departed. That, you know, I've had enough of this. The fact of the matter is he got fed up with all these sign seekers. And he just got up and left them and departed. And I'm thinking that the Lord has left this group who insist on following signs and is instead working with those who are preaching the gospel and have signs following them. Amen. Get off of your star charts and get back to proclaiming God's word. Amen. Amen. The fact of the matter is, 
God has not changed his mind about this. We read in Isaiah chapter 47, Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now, now watch this, watch this. Let now the astrologers and the stargazers and the monthly pronosticators stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. God is mocking them with all this stuff. And Deuteronomy says, there shall not be found among you anyone, including Bible prophecy teachers, that uses divination or an observer of times for all that do these things, except they are Bible prophecy teachers, are an abomination to the Lord. Is that what it says? Mm, it's just all that, do, all that does it. Everyone, it's an abomination. It's detestable to God. It tells us in Leviticus, neither shall you use enchantments nor observe times. In Zechariah, I will cut off them that worship the hosts of heaven. You look in, in, in admiration of revelation to the, the hosts of heaven, the stars. And yet, again, he says, Jeremiah says, thus saith the Lord, lean, I'm sorry, learn not the way of the heathen and be not dismayed at the what? Signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. God says, leave that stuff alone. They're up there to to help order events in your daily life, your monthly, yearly, annual, daily, weekly thing. They're just, they're just there to help keep you on schedule. They're not there to predict your future or somehow, well, I'm born into this thing and I have a certain kind of personality. That's stupid. The fact of the matter is it's an abomination. And it's listed stargazing, divination, astrology, observer of times, monthly pronosticators. It's throughout the word. So it doesn't matter if it's Aquarius or Capricorn or Leo or whatever. You leave that junk alone. Walk away from it. It said in 2017, you got to talk to Christians about this, but people are mesmerized. I literally get, I bet you every hour, somebody emails me or texts me or private messages me on Facebook. John, what do you think about this? And they'll send me these videos as if I've never heard of this before. You know, now the thing is, let's, let's dissect. Is everybody with me so far? Because some of you, you're really upset. It's like, come on, John, you're ruining a really perfect holiday. Man, I'm looking forward to this, and you're kind of ruining it. <laughs> well, um, the fact is, they'll do stuff like this. I mean, to show you how liberal they can get, they jump from one constellation to another constellation to kind of make it fit. But even then, they're not being honest. But most people, okay, I... I believe whatever I see, it's on the internet, you know. So, you know, these people are teaching, they're claiming that the crown, which by the way, look it up in your Strong's Concordance, it says it's a wreath around the head. Okay, but they're saying, oh no, it's, uh, it, it's not this, it's, it's, the, it's the Leo constellation, there's, there's, there's 12 stars in there. That is a bold-faced lie. But they say that this is what's over the head of, of the virgin, the, vi, vi, uh, the uh, Virgo. Okay, so they're really 
not just stretching it, they're really lying here. Okay, so you look at the pattern. This is, of course, from the Stellarium thing, and you can see this. there's millions copies of this throughout the Internet now, and they're all using this picture, and they're saying, right there it is. You can't get away from it. Well, the fact of the matter is, folks, these are not stars. These are planets. Okay? But, see, that doesn't really count because they look like stars. Okay, but even though they're not being honest with people, these really aren't stars. But not only that, if you know anything about the constellation, Leo doesn't have nine stars and three planets. Leo actually has 15 stars. If you're going to stay with that, not add, not, not, of course, they're going to, then they're going to try to hide the three planets and say, but the fact of the matter is you can go to any source and you'll find out there is actually several different versions of how many. Because, folks, guess what? It really isn't a lion up there. The fact is somebody's wild imagination. There's not just 15 stars. There are billions of stars. I mean, the, the Virgo cluster has over 2,000 galaxies. And each galaxy has probably two to 300,000 stars in them. And everybody goes, oh, there's 12 stars. Okay. Well, and then they lie when they say something like this. It says it's once in 7,000 years. Now, folks... If that was true, that would be, whoa, that's crazy. And everybody goes, whoa, that's crazy. Because they don't know. They're too busy watching television. Or in the internet, oh, he told me. Well, the fact is, this is not some incredibly super rare event that has transpired in the skies that has never happened before. That is a lie. But, yeah, but I heard on the Internet. Okay. Well, first, because of the annual orbit of the Earth, the sun travels the entirety of the ecliptic, and thus passing through every one of the 12 constellations of the zodiac, meaning that the sun is in Virgo every single September. Okay. So Virgo being clothed with the sun, if that's what they would, which, why, by the way, it's not, it's a little bit on her shoulder. And I'm sure most of you women know if you had something on your shoulder, you're not clothed. Okay. Okay. Even though maybe some try that. But um, uh, so Virgo being clothed in the sun is something that has happened every September since recorded history. Secondly, Every month, the moon goes through its cycle and phases and travels the entirety of the ecliptic and thus uh, passes through the constellations every time due to its monthly orbit. Therefore, there has always been a day or two every single year that the sun is in Virgo and the moon is just east of Virgo, just past the feet. Of course, you have to understand that it's not below the feet, it's beside the feet, but who cares? if it's below or beside, okay? Even though the Bible says she stood on the moon. So the celestial woman clothed with the sun and the moon at her, under her feet is as common as September uh, having a labor day. <gasps> There's a labor day in September? 
This is a sign. This is a great sign. And of course, this is how stupid and foolish this is. Now, of course, unless you are one that studies astronomy, not astrology, astronomy is the study of the uh, celestial uh, um, uh, planets and stars and celestial uh, events, comets and all those things. I love their sense. I remember I was 10 years old. We used to live up in Chicago, and I went to uh, the planetarium there in downtown Chicago. Blew me away. And from that point on, I love, I have a a really nice... uh, um, telescope that a reflector telescope that somebody gave me a brother he had three of them and he said he we went and looked at jupiter one night and saturn is fantastic and he said well here i'm gonna give this to you and i was like man it just made my day but anyway uh, if you if you study astral uh, astronomy you probably never pay attention to all this stuff you you don't know big dipper little dipper i'm not sure and uh, but you know when someone makes a big deal about it then people go, wow. But the simple fact is, it's always been this way, folks. Always. It's always been there. Nothing is rare or unusual about this. Now, while multiple planets appearing in Virgo's head with Jupiter inside Virgo, well, that's a little unusual, but it's not 7,000 years unusual. And by the way, you're taking a huge leap to say that Jesus is represented by Jupiter. Let me just tell you something, folks, in case you don't know, God named one planet and the world named the rest of them. God named the planet Earth and man named all the other ones based on pagan gods. Okay, Jupiter, when they tore down the temple in 70 AD, they took some of those very stones. And by the way, we'll talk about the temple tomorrow. It's going to be absolutely mind-boggling, one of the most absolutely phenomenal things I've ever done on this tomorrow night. But anyway, you know what they did with those stones? Jesus said not one stone will be upon it. They ended up building a temple to Jupiter. Okay, this is a pagan thing. And to associate Jesus with Jupiter? Okay, that's a little weird. But since, but who cares weird? Hey, it's in the sky. Okay. Since the period of Jupiter's orbit is just under 12 years, Jupiter will naturally be inside Virgo along with the sun and the moon in the same, in the, in their same place every 11 to 12 years. Now I want you to listen to this. Uh, contrary to their claim, the sun in Virgo and the moon at Virgo's feet and Jupiter in the constellation occurs regularly. But now you're probably not going to take the time to buy Stellarium to look it up on yourself. You're going to believe this is so rare. This is unbelievably rare. The fact is this has happened before. And being that it's a September event, it happened in September 1827, it happened in September 1483, it happened September 1293, it happened in September 1056. All you got to do is get download or buy Stellarium, put in those dates, and there is this once in 7,000 year event. Okay. So the claim that this is a one-time event in human history is a bold-faced lie. But it's a perfect example of people stretching things and making a mockery of the truth of the biblical doctrine of the second coming of Christ and turning it into an abominational study. The fact is, folks, September 24th is going to roll around. 
and all these people that's been predicting the rapture. It's going to be the same thing it was back in May uh, when, you know, all that stuff was going on. I mean, people were selling stuff, putting their dogs to sleep because they didn't want to be left for the tribulation and selling their houses and everything. Well, I'll tell you what's going to end up happening. When all this is done, people are going to be having another opportunity to say, you stupid Christians and your doctrine of the second coming. And the Bible says scoffers will come. And I tell you, they've already started. They've already started. If it doesn't happen, rapture doesn't happen on the 23rd, they got another one dated already. This is stupid. And people will like it and share it. And just pass the stupidity on. You're all with me tonight. You're awful quiet for a Catholic church. I tell you. <laughs> now, you know what, folks? Can I just say, we need to stop acting like Jesus is a liar. So, well, why would you say that, John? Well, can I give you a few reasons why these people should automatically be shut off? Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24. But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. In Matthew 24, 42, watch ye therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. In Matthew 25, 13, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour Wherein the Son of Man cometh. Yeah, but that's a Jewish idiom that means you have to know it's one of those two days. Um, Mark 13. But of that day and of that hour knoweth no man. Now watch this. No, not the angels which are in heaven. Watch, neither the Son, but the Father. Acts 1, right before he ascended to heaven. You know what they said? Hey, Jesus, is the rapture going to take place real quick here? Matter of fact, I, I think it's very interesting what they ended up saying. They ended up saying something that we need to take to heart. They ended up saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Which should be the focus of Bible prophecy. Prophecy is not... Focus on the church. Prophecy is focused on God's finished work doing with Israel. The church as a whole is going to be out of all this stuff. But see, folks, they were walking with Jesus. They had an understanding of that second coming. It had to do with the full restoration of Israel. And so, Jesus, can you give us a date? Because I want to come out with a new DVD, and I kind of need some help here. And Jesus looked at them and he probably rolled his eyes and thought. He said, fellas, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in, your, and put in his own power. So why would you want to believe these idiots? And I call them idiots because, listen, if you contradict God and his word and the Lord Jesus, you're an idiot. Nobody knows. Stop this nonsense. Now, can we get fed, of this, fed up with this finally? Can we give this up? 
and get back to doing what God wants us to do instead of look at stupid star charts. Come on, folks. I got news for you. I personally have come to the place, I'm off the planning committee. I just want to be on the welcoming committee. Okay, stop trying to do your divisions and your multiplications and you're taking this and taking that because you're such a genius, you got it figured out. Folks, this has been nonstop since the Lord's left. There's always been these predictions. And you think how much energy, how much study, how much time has been put into all this nonsense and all kinds of cults have started from this. I mean, all of them. The Jehovah Witnesses started with this. The Seventh-day Advances started with this. This is all from predictive events that's got to take place. And of course, well, it's, it's in the stars, and all of a sudden you got a rain of stars, and all of a sudden, you know, guys were predicting Jesus is going to come, and they got it, and we didn't come and say, well, we got, we got, we're off one year. Same thing Wisenut did. Next year comes, and... People are standing on top of their houses back in the 1800s. Believe. And, of course, that, that particular doctrine still is devastating to Christianity throughout America. Very sincere people are a part of the, the Seventh-day Adventists. Okay? But that's another story. But now, is everybody still with me? This whole thing sounds preposterous when you put it in its context. Look, uh, look at the screen, please. When you consider all the ramifications, it's saying that even though God clearly tells us in his word not to look to the heavens for insight and tell in future events, now God is telling us to do just that. It's also saying that even though Jesus clearly stated that no man knows the day, now... There are some really smart men who have figured out the actual date. This is preposterous. It's also saying that even though every single other time that men have given the date of the coming of the Lord and it has failed, but now this time will be different. This time it's really it. It's also saying that Christians no longer need a clear biblical chapter and verse to prove that what they believe, but now they can consult with star charts and secret codes and other extra biblical sources for their belief. You know, folks, I'm sick of people quoting from the book of Enoch. But, I mean, that's what, it's like, dude, have you ever read Jude? Have you ever read Peter? Yeah, it talks about the book of Enoch in it. And I've got to get... Now, you know, folks, think about this for a second. You would, if you spent your time in the Word, instead of going to all this nonsense that is obviously, absolutely, ridiculously off, we would get a whole lot more accomplished with Christians. But it's like it's not good enough. It's like the man that's got the beautiful wife and he's always looking at some other woman. I tell you, this is cheating on the Lord. Amen? So, yeah, you know, I will admit the Stellarium software is 
Pretty sweet. I like that. It's cool. But Bible software is awesome. Matter of fact, go to blueletterbible.com. Blue Letter Bible. It's a, a Chuck Missler thing. You can actually order it, and it's free. You can get the whole Bible software absolutely free. It is the best study. It goes into Hebrew and Greek. I mean, just unlimited. You'll never devour it all. It's fantastic. You know, the fact is, folks, stop staring at stars in the skies and start staring at the words in your Bible. Amen? Amen? The fact is, amen. You know, the other day, um, what was it, Saturday, we went to the, I went to the men's breakfast with Don, and Don's always picking on me. I feel so sorry for myself. And uh, he's always making fun of me because I don't have a Bible and all that stuff. And by the way, it's funny. Did you all notice yesterday he, he laid his Bible up here? Yeah, seven people got saved. Yeah, seven people got saved because he left his Bible up here, you know. <laughs> He gave me a Bible. It, but uh, you know what's so funny about it? No, 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 no. On his, on his cover, it says open Bible. I mean, that's, he's got to have a reminder to open his Bible, you know. He lays his down on my thing. He don't even, you know. But I will tell you something that you rocked me. You rocked me on Saturday. You did this. He's been picking on me for years about this about not having a Bible. But my issue is, and I'm not using this excuse, my issue is my eyes. My eyes are, I've lost 70% of my vision, so I have a real hard time with books. I, I mean, I love books. I have hundreds and hundreds of books, and now it's pretty much worthless to me. But um, um, with computer stuff, you can, you know, make it get larger and all that kind of stuff. Well, he said something I really thought was cool. And this is a, a curve. I'm chasing a rabbit for a second here. Uh, he said that uh, don't read your Bible on your phone or all that stuff because it's distracting. So you're on your phone and you're reading the word and all of a sudden a Facebook post comes up. And you go, oh, I got to go check that out. What'd they say? You know, or somebody sent you a message or something. And you get distracted. Whereas if you just have your Bible there and it's just the book in front of you, which God wrote a book, you know, for a purpose. It's, you don't get the distraction. Matter of fact, turn off your radio, turn off your phone, turn off, and just get in the Word. And I thought that was good. And I'll, I'll give you a point for that one. Hallelujah. But just keep your open Bible, okay? Just, okay. All right, so we're going to wrap this up. I got 20 minutes left, and I'll do my best to Say, okay, so this is not it. This is not, so September 20th. Well, then, John, what is this Revelation 12 mean? Well, before I get into that, let me just establish five real quick little things for you. I think this will be a blessing to you. This is the way to properly look at Bible prophecy. And number one, approach prophecy as history written beforehand. God reveals the future as if it... We're the past. There's no problem with him. God can tell you the end from the beginning. So when you're reading prophetic statements, see it as history yet to be. Prophecy is that simple to understand. It's history before it actually happens. 
You don't need to complicate. You don't need to make a big deal out of it. Just read it like you would read a historical event in the past. Except it's God telling us about it. Which, by the way, that's the only book in the world that does that. Okay? Number two, take all prophecy literally. Unless it's clear that it cannot be a literal meaning. So you have a woman standing on the moon engulfed by the sun. Now that's probably not going to happen. Okay? How many know that's symbolic? And it even says it was a wondrous sign. So what you do then is you get a literal truth that's conveyed in the figurative language. Number three, don't go overboard with unnecessary details of a figure, a metaphor, an allegory, a parable, or an illustration in prophecy. Let the meaning be enough without reading too much into it. It's like, you know, the virgins, you know, and they're, they run out of oil. Well, that's, you know, there's five foolish virgins, there's five uh, wise virgins, and what it is, the oil represents the Holy Spirit, and the Christians that don't have the Holy Spirit are not going to be ready when the bridegroom comes. Well, that doesn't work because the people that are there that don't have oil, they're trying to buy their oil from the people that have the oil. So now we can buy the Holy Spirit from people and we give a portion there. See, if you're going to go there, you, you get whacked. Just stay unwhacked, okay? Just let it be what it is. It's oil. It's oil. There's just, oh, there's some hidden meaning in it. Leave it alone, folks. Just get the, get the, the whole thing. Don't read some, so much into it. The fact is, number four, do not think of prophecy that it must be fulfilled before it can be understood. Well, you can't really understand it until it happens. No, that's not true. Just accept what God says in his word. Accept what God has said. He'll take care of the details. If he says something's going to happen, it's going to happen, whether we can currently understand it or not. Everybody's got it figured out that the, you know, the plague that dries up the uh, Euphrates River, well, that's the Akaturk Dam, and that's what's going to do it. Leave it alone. If God says an angel's going to come and pour this out and take care of it, he'll do it. Act a Turk dam or no act a Turk dam. And stop cussing in church. <laughs> Number five, stop trying to figure it out or somehow help God make it happen. I mean, folks, for years, everybody's trying to get the chip to be the mark of the beast. Leave it alone. Okay, so it was, it was cutting edge in the 80s, but it's all been replaced. Now they got something else new. Well, this has got to be it. Leave it alone. I got news for you. We're not even going to be here when it shows up. Everybody's freaking out, you know, because there's this new company put chips inside their hands so they can open up doors. You know what? They got a great thing for that. It's called a key. But, you know. But, you know, but the, oh, this is, listen, that's not the mark of the beast. Leave it alone. You know, don't try to force a fulfillment in prophecy by coming up with some explanation of a current event and make it fit into your perspective. Listen, that takes place three and a half years into the great tribulation. If you think it, things are advancing right now, if the rapture takes place today, do you think three and a half years from now, oh, all we got is a chip? No, it's a whole, it, it changes all the time. Is everybody with me? Number six, finally, let the Bible be its own interpreter. Okay? Leave brother so-and-so's interpretation. And have you noticed today, people don't want Bibles anymore. They want annotated, noted Bibles. 
They want so-and-so's prophecy Bible. Instead of sitting there and reading the Bible, they were over there reading the notes. You idiot, leave the notes alone. Just get you a Bible with Jesus' words in it. God's word in it. Just read the word. Just leave all. You, you, are you against that? No, you know, everybody's got nice things, but that's not the word. Boy, you know, I'm sure I have made some of you really mad at me tonight. I'm so sorry. I'm just picking. It just, uh, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, thank God you got an open Bible on the reminder of your book. Amen. Now, of course, the Catholics teach that this represents the Virgin Mary. All the, the apparitions and the images that show her as this uh, Revelation 12 event. But, folks, this, that's past. Revelation 4.12, when you read this chronologically, this is something that's going to be happening after that. In Revelation 4.1, a trumpet says, come up here, and something's missing. And from that point on, things start changing. But this is way later. This is way later. The man-child is not Jesus because Jesus never had to flee from Satan. You know, the man-child, well, that's Jesus, Mary, and the man-child, and, and the devil was chasing him, and he had to flee. Listen, he overcame the devil. He didn't fly from the devil. And the ascension to heaven was not some close escape. Oh, he just barely missed the devil. The dragon almost got him. No, brother, it is uncontested act of victory of the Son of God. Leave that alone. And by the way, yeah, but it says he'll rule with the rod and iron. That's Jesus. No, read Revelation 2.27. And it says all of his overcomers will rule with a rod of iron. With Jesus. In chapter 12, verse 2, it says that the woman is in pain. Now this directly contradicts the Catholic teaching that Mary was sinless and did not experience the consequences of the curse. Namely, that she was exempted from pain and death because Genesis says that pain of childbirth was the direct result of the curse. And if Mary was sinless, she cannot be the woman who's experiencing pain. And yet the Bible tells us that all have sinned, but the Catholics hold to the fact that Mary was a perpetual sinless virgin, that she never had pain, never died, and yet they can't have it both ways. Now, of course, there's others that teach that the woman is the church. They teach that the woman is, uh, is the church and that the man-child is the, you know, the one that rules with a rod of iron. This is Jesus. But, folks, that doesn't make sense. The church doesn't give birth to Christ. The church is pregnant with Jesus, the man-child, that's going to be in birth. The fact is, it's, it's the other way around. Of course, um, this is how crazy stuff gets when you start, oh, you know, I'm, I had a vision or a dream. God showed me all this. Just let the Bible explain itself. Some teach that the woman is the church and that the man-child is a special group of Christians, sometimes referred to as the bride, who will be snatched away in the rapture. I had one dear preacher buddy of mine, one of my best friends. He believed, that, of course, he's, he's with the Lord now, but he believed that this represented a select, you know, the wise virgins. This is a, a select group that would go in the rapture. Everybody else would be left behind, even though they're Christians. Um, of course, this woman cannot represent the church. For the scripture tells us that Christ is a spouse to a chaste virgin. Whereas this woman's pregnant. In Revelation 19, 7 through 
9, it declares that when Christ's espoused virgin is presented to him in marriage, she will be clean and white. This would make no biblical sense for Jesus to marry a pregnant woman. Okay? But now if we let the Bible interpret itself, all we have to do, we go from the last book of the Bible and you go back to the first book of the Bible. And they're, listen to this. This is really cool. And by the way, I have a, a series that I did. I think it's, uh, it's six or eight hours on one of those CDs out there on the entire book of Revelation. And <clears throat> when you see this, it's crazy. The Old Testament is quoted more in the book of Revelation than all the other New Testament books added together. Okay? Now, in Genesis 37... Joseph has a dream, and you'll remember that, about the binding these sheaves, and these sheaves would, would bow down to his sheaves, and this was portraying him as being dominant over his brothers. And then he had a second dream, and it was the sun, the moon, and stars, which is what we're talking about here. These 11 stars, Joseph being the 12, represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And these, these, the interpretation of this is given by Jacob himself when Jacob ends up rebuking Joseph when he tells him the dream and literally says, are you trying to tell me that you, that me and, my, and your mother and your brothers are going to bow down to you? And of course, jo Jacob, whose name was Israel, changed to Jacob, or Jacob changed to Israel, had the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 stars are, in his own admission, were representing this event in the very first book of the Bible. And so the Bible grabs back, and John, who was a Jew, takes this and understands it as the Lord is revealing to him. So there's no doubt that this dream, the sun, the moon, the stars, is representing, you know, Israel, Jacob, and his mother, and his brothers, those, the, the 12 stars, the 12 tribes. And yet, this is why you just need to let the Bible always interpret itself. And, and you know, folks, if you, you struggle, oh, it's got to be the stars or whatever, and it's got to be these nine stars and these three planets make up the 12 stars, that's, that's just so stupid and ridiculous. The fact is, if you just let God explain it, it takes out all the foolishness. And it makes perfect sense. So the woman clearly represents Israel. The Old Testament passages, when you read them, it's clearly stated throughout that Israel is considered God's wife. Matter of fact, it tells us in Isaiah, For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. Thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall, be, shall he be called. He's the husband. And Jeremiah, turn, O backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, for I am what to you? Married to you. And I mean, there's hundreds of examples of this. I've likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. We've got Jeremiah saying in chapter 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of what? Israel. Israel. Not with the church, not with Mary. 
the house of Israel, and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. So if we allow the Bible to be its own interpreter, we know that the woman, the sun-cold woman on the moon with the 12 stars is a beautiful illustration of national Israel. And by the way, folks, that's the whole focus of the book of Revelation starting at chapter 4 where the church is mentioned over and over again, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, over and over again, all of a sudden, chapter 4, verse 1, the church is never again mentioned. It's gone. And God turns his focus onto Israel. And that's why the tribulation is called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's because God's got some unfinished business to get taken care of. But when Christians take the focus off of Israel and try to make these verses refer to Mary or to the church or some other thing, all they're doing is promoting this heretical teaching of replacement theology, and they destroy the heart of God's promises and plans for his chosen people. So who's the man-child? i got six minutes. Who's the man-child? Well, the nation of Israel brings forth a man-child according to Isaiah 66, 7. So we let the Bible interpret itself. Here's what it says. Before she travailed, she brought forth, before her pain came, she delivered of a what? Now, do we need to stop and try? I wonder what that means. It's already telling you what it means. Obviously, if Israel is represented by the woman, what's coming out of Israel is a man-child. And this man-child shows up in several places in Revelation. Revelation 7, John actually lists the 12 tribes of Israel. This is not the 144,000 Jehovah Witnesses. Okay? But that's what you do when you get into replacement theology. You come up with stupidity. Okay? It names them all 12,000 from all the 12 tribes of Israel. Names them out. You can't get around it. And it shows that they are sealed by God for protection and for salvation. Then you skipped over to chapter 12, and this time you find out that it's being persecuted, but it's protected from the dragon. And then they appear again in chapter 14, 1 to 5, and they've already been redeemed. They've been caught up from the earth, and they're singing before the throne of God. They've been caught up. They've been harpozoed. Now, this is pretty interesting. Because we see the 144,000 on the earth all through the first six uh, trumpet judgments, the, the seal judgment, the trumpet, uh, and the seven seal judgments, and the seven trumpet judgments until we get to six, and all of a sudden something happens before the seventh. And then in heaven, immediately after the catching up of the man child and in the seventh trumpet, so the man child is caught up. Now, if this is not who it is, then who is caught up and how did those 144,000 get into heaven all of a sudden? In Revelation 14, 1 to 5, it's stated that the 144,000 are before God's throne in heaven, having been redeemed from the earth and among men. They are in heaven for the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Now, if you believe in mid-trib, go ahead. There's a rapture in the mid-trib. But it ain't for Christians. It's for the 144,000. 
So how and when were they translated if it was not the man-child in Revelation 12, 5? The, na- the time of their translation is identical to the man-child's translation. Now, while we're on this, you know, I don't believe in the rapture. Well, I'm sorry you don't believe in the rapture. I believe in five raptures. Say, so what are you talking about? Well, we know in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, it talks about the first fruits. And obviously in Matthew, it tells us in 27 about the righteous believers that were resurrected after his resurrection, a part of the first fruits. That was a rapture. They came back alive and were transformed. We see it in another one that shows up when the they that are Christ at his coming in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4. It's called the blessed hope in Titus, and it will be seen worldwide. That's a second rapture. We see also a third rapture when the 144,000 Jews in the middle of the great tribulation are cut up. You see the verses there. Then there's a fourth rapture of the tribulation saints in chapter four, or chapter seven, chapter 15. And then there's a fifth rapture of the two witnesses who are killed and laid there in the streets and their resurrection and raptured right in front of people. And the world sees it. So if you have a problem with the rapture, I got news for you. You got five problems. Okay. Okay. So the fact is, the man child is not mentioned on earth after the seventh trumpet, neither are the 144,000. The man child is to rule the nations, so are the 144,000. The man child becomes a heavenly group, so are are the 144,000. The man child represents a small company of Israelites out of all Israel, so are the 144,000. The man child is caught up to the throne, so are the 144,000. The man child is the object of the revenge of the dragon, so are the 144,000. The man child is delivered from the dragon at the time of the travail of the woman, and so coincidentally are the 144,000. So, how many of you know if you just think in here, you can figure out who? The man-child is. And afterwards, once the 144,000 are caught up, more devastation comes because now the woman has to flee for her life. And many of you will remember in the scripture talks about them going to Petra or Petra, however you would like to pronounce it. And there the Bible talks about the dragon would try to send a flood to destroy her and the earth opens up and swallows it because God has some unfinished plans. He's going to get them right. And the last part of the great tribulation is the part that's going to get them. Now, with this I close. You don't have to go to Revelation 12 prophecy stuff and try to figure out Jesus is going to come on the 23rd. That's insane. Okay, flat out it's insane. It's not going to happen. Because that's not what the Bible teaches. And I'll tell you what. All you got to do is start paying attention. God is making Israel the focus of the world. Jerusalem the focus of the world. Right now before eyes, we're watching it happen. Tomorrow night when we get into this, I'm going to share some stuff with you tomorrow night that is absolutely mind-boggling cold. I, I'm, I'm so excited about it. And I hope that you'll get to come. If not, obviously they'll tape it. But uh, we've got the Temple Institute. Everything is prepared. <clears throat> it's ready. They're in the city of David. Meanwhile, we've got a boss at the UN, Trump and... Uh, and uh, Netanyahu are going to try to work out a peace plan, 
Get ready, folks. Here we start going the same stuff all over again. Meanwhile, we got Putin and his, his workings with Iran. We've got ISIS. Here they are training these uh, teenage boys, ISIS, and they cut the throat of all these Syrian Christians. Teenagers, little boys. Right now we've got nanotechnology going on, explosion of wisdom. Now at the same time we've got uh, an explosion of the new age again. You turn on your television, the award show is always about the devil. Some satanic presentation. We're getting ready to celebrate the 1948 celebration coming up of the 70th year of Israel. We've got Iran in, the, in its focal point on Israel to wipe them out. We got, you know, the little guy trying to be a big guy. Um, we got the author of the Message Bible coming out now and saying that uh, he completely supports homosexuality. Meanwhile, you know, you, you got this, this lady and her son who went on national television. Uh, she had a sex change, and her boy had a sex change. Now she's a woman. I mean, now she's a man, and her son is now a woman. Uh, you know, you, the Methodist churches that used to be the firebrand of salvation throughout America now preaching homosexuality or ordaining them. You've got all the technology going to... Uh, uh, you know, um, you know, we we just saw a major breach, a data breach, and everybody's now exposed for all their numbers. And they're saying, "Oh, what a good time to come up with a new system." You know, uh, we got nanotechnology. I've mentioned before, and now we got uh, transhumanism, combining man and machine, and of course, at the same time, Israel is making some massive discoveries and plans to build the temple. Now, I will tell you this. And with this, I'll shut up. Um, there's a problem going on in all this that has to do with these date setters, and that is they come up with this stuff, and they say in their heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. Because when, what is it? Is it Saturday? Is that the 23rd? So when Saturday rolls around on Sunday morning in their church, people are going to say, where's the rapture at? So in their heart, they're going to say, my Lord delays his coming. Folks, Jesus could come tonight. Hasn't, it's like, yeah, but it's not on, the, not on Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Anyway, well, Pastor Don, come and take over, on, or I might start another hour here. Um, the fact of the matter is, you need to ask yourself this. Are you ready? Are you ready for the King of Kings? Amen. God bless you, buddy. God bless all of you. See you tomorrow night.